With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. I have to ask about this because you said that more sexual partners does not mean that you're better in bed. (laughs) You know, with many things like the more you do it, the better you are. But with sex, you could be having like disassociated sex where you're just pounding away at somebody or you're just having sex with so many partners but it doesn't necessarily mean that you are good in bed because you've slept with a hundred people it's interesting that having more intelligence when it comes to sex is admitting that you know less lovers and friends friends. i'm gonna take you on a trip baby i don't pretend i said lovers and friends Uh, i'm gonna hold you down down to the end i said Hi there, lovers and friends. My name is Sham Boudram, and this is a special episode of the podcast. Well, more like a more typical episode of the podcast, where instead of having multiple segments, truly we're speaking with one guest who is a thought leader in her field, somebody who I deeply admire, and somebody who I believe can bring a lot of impact to your sex life just from listening to this episode alone. This person, who's Emily Morse, cat out the bag, also happens to have a book out right now, which can even further deepen the span of possibilities, can deepen your pleasure potential. And I often think back to what another sex expert said, uh, Evian Whitney, and they said that I'm so sick and tired of people saying I need to have better sex or sex companies or sex experts saying, here's how you can have better sex. Like, I just want to appreciate the sex that I'm having. And I also don't want to gamify my sex life where I'm always trying to top myself. And when I have conversations like these or episodes like these, it can kind of feel like that. Like we're always searching for this way to make this thing more grand where truly like our bodies are enough. And if we don't feel like doing it because it's not that interesting, that's also okay as well. But I also am aware that I am somebody who has deeply benefited from the pursuit of expanding my pleasure potential. And that is how I've begun to look at quote unquote better sex. Instead of saying what I have is not enough, it's just being open to explore more for myself. And this is something that I deeply needed to embark on a journey for me. Because I think you're gonna go through ebbs and flows. You're gonna go through valleys and peaks where you don't have to be as intentional about your sex life because maybe it's really great or maybe it's not that interesting to you. But I've gone through periods of time where I've been deeply interested, but also deeply disappointed. And that is where conversations like these and books like Emily's have really helped to transform my life in multiple ways. And as you know, that's why I'm so passionate about this field. I do not believe that sex and relationships is siloed off to a particular part of wellness or of well-being. I truly believe that when you pour into this space, it gives back in every single facet. So after I had my second baby, some of you who watch my YouTube channel might recall that I made this video. There's less opportunities to turn mom mode off and it's very difficult to see yourself through a sexual lens when you spend 90% of your day like this. And I'm gonna be honest with everyone here. For the first time in my relationship for sure, I feel like an outsider of sex. So at the end of the interview with Dr. Emily Morris, I'm gonna circle back to that video and tell you how 
I have pulled myself out of that fucking funk. Double entendre there. And I also want to share a story that I didn't tell Dr. Emily Morris. It's a little bizarre. Maybe that's why I didn't feel comfortable sharing it about my first interaction with her. And uh, yeah, so we're going to get to that. I want to get to the interview because sometimes in the intro, y'all, I'd be feeling really rushed. I can feel you all as if you're sitting right here with me being like, get to the interview already. And today I completely understand why if you're feeling that way. So Dr. Emily Morris is the host of the hit podcast, Sex with Emily. Emily has been dubbed as the Dr. Ruth of a new generation, has helped millions of people. And sometimes y'all, people write these in their bios and it's just like, it's just saying it genuinely. This woman has helped millions of people navigate the world of sex and relationships in her brand new book, which I actually got to pre-read and contribute to in the form of an endorsement, which again, at the end of the episode, I'll talk about why that was so special to me. Her new book is called Smart Sex, and it condenses all she has learned as a doctor of human sexuality and offers groundbreaking frameworks that will change the way you think about sex and pleasure. In her new book, she covers sexual intelligence, the truth about orgasms, everything you need to know to be a good lover from collaboration to technique. And there's a hint in there. It's not what you think. It's not the usual Googleable basics, and that's why we love Dr. Emily. So in our conversation today, we're talking about sex IQ. I just want to say this is a framework. The five pillars that she's identified in order to be sexually intelligent and sexually empowered are embodiment, health, collaboration, self-knowledge, and self-acceptance. And that's what you need to know to be set up for success in this incredible conversation. So let's get to it right after this. Hi, it's so good to see you. I'm How so glad are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm really happy to be here with you. Well, furthermore, this is the week that your book came out. Exactly. It's a big week. I'm really excited about it. Okay, I want to talk about tell, this book. Tell me everything. Talk Let to me. me tell you, I am thrilled about it. This book Thank came you. at the perfect time for me. Okay. And I want to talk about why that is, but people don't really want to hear me talk. They want to hear you talk. Why is this the book that you had to write right now? Oh. What's the story behind it? So I'm writing this book and I'm very excited because I was like, okay, 18 years, I'm going to write all my best tips in one place and it's going to be amazing. And then I realized that when it comes to sex, I'm like, people are just going to flip to the oral sex chapter. People are going to flip to the anal sex chapter. These are the questions. You probably get these all the time. How do I have great anal? How do I be present during oral sex? How do I get my partner to whatever it is, fill in the blank? And I'm going to answer all these questions. But then I realized that all these years, I do get the same questions. People just want a quick fix. But the truth is there's not – if someone emails me, they call me, they're like, I can't have an orgasm. There's a lot of different reasons why someone can't have an orgasm. If I can't have one and you can't have one. So I thought, how could I give people an organizing principle around why they might not have an orgasm? So when I was writing it, I channeled in these five pillars of, of what, what it would take for somebody, a paradigm, if you will, for understanding our own – sex IQ, our sexual intelligence, where we're at at any given time. Because there's a lot of different factors. Are you on a medication that's not allowing you to orgasm? Have you ever masturbated before? Have you ever communicated with your partner and let them know what you actually like in bed? Do you shame around masturbation? Maybe you've never touched yourself. So I realized for every question I get asked, there's a lot of different ways to think about it. So this book kind of allows people to go on their choose their own adventure, if you will, for understanding their sexuality. Let's talk about the five pillars. Okay. So there's five pillars of sex IQ, and these are all the things you have to think about every time you have a sexual question, like, why don't I want to have sex tonight? You know, why don't I feel great in my body? First one is embodiment. 
how connected with my bodily senses, feelings am I at any given time? Like right now, okay, right now I'm talking to you, but I was like, okay, but if I really want to be embodied, I can feel my hand on these gorgeous velvet chairs. I can feel my feet on the ground. So I'm embodied in this moment. That's embodiment. So my embodied during sex, my embodied throughout the day, and I give tips for how to be more embodied. The second one is self-knowledge. How well do I know myself? You know, how well do I know what I like in bed, what I don't like in bed? If my partner comes in and starts ripped on my pants and starts to have sex with me right away, I know that that's not going to work because I need it to go slower. Or, you know, do I, I know that like if it's freezing in the house, I am not going to want to have sex. You know, how well do I know what, what gets me ready? So we all kind of have this knowledge about ourselves that maybe we've never stopped and thought about it. And then self-acceptance. Um, and then it's self -acceptance. Do I accept my body where I'm at right now? Do I accept my sexual experience? Do I accept my partner? Am I accepting? And this is really about like confidence and feeling good in our bodies and knowing ourselves. Then the fourth one was at the, is, um, oh, health just health, overall health and wellness. Do I prioritize, you know, moving my body? Do I prioritize um, the food I'm putting in my body? All these things are going to impact my sex life. I and love that hormones is mentioned here too hormones. and that you made the distinction of when people think sexual health, they go to STI testing. Exactly. And yeah. it's so much more to add to this conversation. Right, exactly. I think, I think that that's exactly it, that we think, okay, well, I'm healthy because I got my pap smear this year. But have you like looked at your hormones? Are you, you know, blood flow? If you're not exercising, moving your body on a daily basis, you're gonna have a problem with an erection or you might have a problem with arousal. Like not, you know, there's just all these things that go into it that we don't think impact our sex life. Also, like I said, certain medications we're on are gonna impact it. And then the final one is collaboration. How well do I communicate with my partner? Have I actually even told them what I want in bed, what I desire, what makes me feel good, where I feel shame? So those are the five pillars and all of those things are going to contribute to us feeling sexually embodied, present, and, you know, up, helping us up-level our sex IQ. I love how much agency is in that five because only one thing is the responsibility of somebody else, the collaboration piece. Are you meeting me? But the rest of it is how am I treating and meeting myself? Mm -hmm. And that's crutch. That's a mix <laughs> of crucial and clutch. It's crutch. I love it. I want to tell you why this book is perfect for me right now because Prior to having a second baby, I was very science-based, and I love that the book is that. Mm -hmm. I don't like anything woo-woo. Mm -hmm. I'm not into sacred sexuality. I'm not into that world. Yeah. I wasn't into that world literally at all. But after my second baby, it just shifted. Mm. And all of those things that I used to do before, the sounds, the faces, mm -hmm. the dirty talk, mm -hmm. it just didn't feel authentic at mm. all. And I felt like an outsider of my own sexual experiences. I felt like I was watching an imposter. Mm. And I was like, okay, maybe it's time to invite sacred sexuality or some of those practices into my mm -hmm. world. Embodiment, mindfulness, mm. the sacredness of it, breathing. And this book, I was like, this is it. Mm. These are my two worlds combined into one book. And mm. this is what I've been missing. And so that's why I'm so grateful for mm. this work. Wow. Thank you for saying that. 
I can totally relate to that. It's so true that it, and I was turned off by the woo stuff too and the sacred and the meditate, I talk about meditate, masturbate, manifest. I'm like, oh my God. And I kept trying to say like, I know this might sound woo. And my editor was like, you got to take that out of the book. I'm like, but I hear myself thinking this is shit's too woo. And people are going to be like, okay, Emily, you want me to go like top of the mountain, burn sage and like whatever. I'm like, well, maybe like, Maybe you need to do some of that. So I'm glad to hear that that stuff has worked for you because at the end of the day, I actually think that like breath work, breathing, like if I'm like, if I'm having sex with my partner and sex is going too fast and I feel like I'm just not there and I feel myself going back to much like you, like I'm moaning and dirty talking all the things, which sometimes, you know, that serves a purpose and I'll slip back into that, but it's conscious. I say to him, like, can we just stop and breathe for a minute? And we'll just literally sit there and reset and look into each other's eyes and just deep breaths. And it's just, it resets, we're grounded, and then I can start again, you know? And, or I like really do an embodiment. We are, or like one of the things I talk about is the, um, yeah, just being mindful. We'll do the, like the set some position of like tantra, like wrap our legs around each other and look into each other's eyes. And then your breath starts to sync up. So I do some of those practices and then I can just, it just helped me out because it's so many, including myself, like I wrote a book that I needed too. So let me just say that. Like, can we talk about being, I mean, being the experts, but then also knowing that it's a process. You don't yes. get to a point where like every time I have sex, I am having 16 orgasms. All the toys were charged. The lube were out. Everything was perfect. Like not, no, but I know what I need to do now. I know when it's not right and I can easily reset using some of these practices. Are you having the best sex of your life? I am having the best sex of my life. And I'll tell you why. First off, I, I every year I think I have the best best sex of my life. I think it gets better and better. And I and I think that's everybody that could be the case for. I used to think it was because of the person that you're with, but now I realize that the best sex of my life is because I am so much more embodied, present. I'm able to ask for what I want. I mean, literally, my and I think most of it, and I've always said this, and I know you said this too, is that like I've always said communication is a lubrication, that we have to communicate about sex. That is the best tip ever. And my partner and I, for example, he's going out of town. He left town this morning. And last night I knew we we're not going to see each other for a week. I'm like, what kind of He's like, and he literally said, well, what? I know we want to have sex. We want to be connected. We're leaving. And I said, what kind of, he's like, okay, do you want to, and he like, literally, I mean, give me an option. He gave me three options of the kind of sex we could have in the next hour. And people might be thinking like, that is the least hot thing. Sex is going to be organic. You should just go in there. And I'm like, no, it's not like that. We want to get off. We want to connect. And he's leaving town. So he's like, number one, you can put on that outfit for him the other night that was really hot because we went to this really fun like play party thing. And he's like, number one, number two, we could watch some porn together. And you pick, we'll get off. Or like, number three, I'll give you a massage. It was like this whole thing. I was like, let's just watch porn and both get up. We found some porn that we both liked. And so I picked it and it was like, we got the needs met. It wasn't like we got into the bedroom and I was like, oh God, it's going to be a whole thing and I got to go down at him. He's going to go. We don't have two hours. You know what I mean? We were able to hack it in that moment. And to me, he knows what I like. I know what, you know, and it's always different. And that's why I'm having the best sex because there's no like expectations about it. If he's feeling that he needs more sex or he needs connection, he'll tell me, I'll, I don't know. Yeah. It's highly communicative and hot and sexy all the time. I love that. I love the options. <laughs> I love the conversation. And I also love, because I roll my eyes whenever people say, oh, the key to a healthy relationship is communication. Do or you? the key to okay. great sex is communication. Only because it's equivalent to saying the yeah. key to oh, great so, art so, is paint. Right. It's like, well, what the fuck <laughs> do I do with this paint? What yeah. kind of paint am I buying? What kind of brushes? How do I, there's so much more to it. And so mm -hmm. when we give these 
big words that have so many different meanings to yeah. it, it leaves people feeling like they're doing it right, even mm. though they're just throwing paint on canvas. Mm. So I love that the book goes further and says, this is how you communicate. Mm -hmm. Here is what you ask. Here is what you talk about. Here's what you ask yourself. Mm -hmm. And that communication piece beginning really with yourself. It does. That's exactly it. Is that communication isn't just about with a partner, which is also a practice. Like I say this in the book, like I used to think I was a really great communicator because I like talked a lot. I'm really good conversationalist. I'm like, hey everyone, how you doing? Great to see you. Con communication is like a vulnerability. It's being a great listener. It's you know, just listening with curiosity, without judgment. And so I really do get into that in the book, very specific ways, because I do think at the end of the day, when a lot of people want to improve their sexuality or be great lovers or have the best sex of their life, and whether it's try all the positions I lay out or different ways to have oral sex, it really does start with communication with your partner, but with yourself. Yes. What are the messages that are, you're still telling yourself? Maybe you grew up in a, in a home that was really repressive about your sexuality, and they said, like, if you have sex without, you know, procreation, without trying to procreate, you're shameful and you start carrying that around with you. Or maybe you just aren't loving your body or you think masturbation is, you know, grew up or was sinful. And we are carrying messages with us all the time. Or maybe when you're having sex, you're like, this isn't the right thing to do. And you got these negative beliefs in your head. We got to start with ourselves. And that's going to help us to, you know, communicate more openly with our partners. Haven't you found that? I have found that. Bit? Yes. And it is, there's a mix of like, tacit knowledge versus functional knowledge mm -hmm. and that's why sex education to me is so important because a lot of people are like well you can't learn how to have sex you can't learn these things like it's not something that you can just read about because it's but it, you do have to because even learning and reading gives you the language and the tools to start mm -hmm. the conversations because you might intuitively know what you like when you masturbate yourself but if you don't have the words to put behind that or tools to bring up the conversation, mm -hmm. what good is that knowledge? Exactly. So it brings that intuitive knowledge to life. And so that's what I love about your approach too. It's like, okay, here's a little bit of what you already know and mm -hmm. here's what I know and here's how you can merge the two together and yeah. have a better sex life. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Pardon the interruption. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. And if while listening to this conversation, you're thinking to yourself, why didn't I think of that? And you're kind of kicking yourself. Stop kicking yourself, first and foremost. Secondly, have some grace because likely you're not paid to think about and learn about this topic in the way that Emily and I are. You haven't gone to school for it because you have other things to think about. And that... I have to ask about this because yeah. you said that more sexual partners does not mean that you're better in bed. <laughs> right. People always want to know, how do I get good in bed? How do I get good at sex? Do I, how do I have great sex? You know, like, you know, I, and so people think, well, you know, with many things, like, the more you do it, the better you are. But with sex, you could be having, like, disassociated sex where you're just pounding away at somebody or you're just having sex with so many partners, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you are good in bed because you've slept with a hundred people. And I know, you know, some people are like, oh, I'm intimidated by my partner's experience. They've been with all these people. And what does it mean for me? And, or someone says like, I know everything about sex because I've had so many partners. And I can tell you that great sex starts with being present and being connected and being self-aware. And all the pillars I talk about of sex IQ, to me, that is great sex, being aware being aware of who, who you're connecting to, what they want, being able to communicate. So I think all of those things contribute to, to great sex. And just because you've had sex with the same people, because again, if you've had sex with a lot of people, 
you've probably done the same thing every single time. You probably showed up, you suited up, or you suited down, you took your clothes off, and you're like, this is how I do it. And it might have just been like a lot of times we're not even really paying attention to the person we're having sex with. Like, this is what I need, this is what I do. You know, whether it's performative or whether you are just doing the same moves. And so to me, that's not being a great lover. And I think the great news is every time you're with somebody is another time to start again and say, today I'm going to try to be even better, more present, more aware. And so even if you are in that situation where you're with someone, you're like, oh, they've had more experience. Like, yeah, but they've never been with you. You haven't been with them on this day at this time. And you can always start again. So that's what I think. I know you talk about this in the book, how, you know, emotional intelligence is something that you have tests and tons of tests online for. And sexual IQ is not something that you're going to get a test score back for. Right. But if we were to be grading people, (laughs) what areas of assessment would you outline to say, okay, here's how you know if you're good or struggling in this area? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay. Well, I will have a quiz soon coming to the, it might even have it now, sexwithemily.com, check out a quiz, but you can check out where you're at with your sex IQ. But I think that, it's just a matter of look like what's your satisfaction level right now? I mean, look at all the areas of your life and look at, you know, how do I feel? Take all the pillars. Like, do I feel during sex that I am in my head? Do I feel like I'm in my body? You never get to a point with sex IQ where you have excelling in all the areas. What I'm saying is these are tools that even in my daily life, I'm like, why don't I want to have sex with my partner right now? Oh, okay. Because like the house is a mess. I haven't finished. Um, I haven't finished this email that I'm stressing about work, and we haven't changed the sheets yet, or whatever it is. So, like, I can now analyze what it is. It could also be because, like, I'm so pissed at my partner for this thing they said yesterday, and so, you know, I can look at why. It's not just this blanket like I'm not in the mood for sex. Help! Why am I? Why do I have low libido? Why can't I have an organ? So it's all the things. So I'd say embodiment is one. Your physical health. Like I'd say, if you aren't moving your body, you're eating foods that don't make you feel good. You're on a certain, you know, maybe you're on the birth control pill. You're on certain medications and you're like, you know, ever since I started taking this medication, this isn't for everybody, but maybe you feel like your sex drive just isn't what it once was. Hopefully we're all looking at like how confident am I? How's my confidence today? Let's say, cause it's a spectrum. You never get to, like, I want to acknowledge that confidence is also a spectrum. Don't you have days? I don't know. I do where I'm feeling great. And then days where I'm like, I feel like shit and I, I don't feel like myself. So just kind of acknowledging that there's important, there's reasons to work on all of this stuff really throughout your life. I want to ask this question, but I also want to roll my eyes at myself for doing this. But because most of the time when you ask hard questions about sex, it doesn't lead to an answer. It leads to a point in direction to go look for answers, right? So it's like, oh, me and my partner don't have the same sex drive. How do we work it out? Unfortunately, the answer isn't like, eat this bar. And then it's going to be balanced and perfectly. It's like you have to go and do all this extra work. Are there any like bar none, <laughs> you hear this tip and your sex life will change tips that you share in the book? Mm-hmm. I love that. Let's just get to the practical tips because really, um, lube. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying, no matter what your age, like a lube on every nightstand, that is going to change if you're masturbating, if you're having sex with a partner. I feel like it's, you know, people tell you wear sunblock even when it's cloudy. That's yeah. how I feel about lube. <laughs> They're like, even if it's cloudy, you can still get sun. <gasps> You might be really wet. Be like, I don't need that. There's no problem. There's zero problem with lube. Like, put it on your nightstand. Use it every time you you go to have any sexual activity because your wetness level could change throughout sex. If you're too dry, you're going to tear. So just add a little bit for safety. Okay, that's a that's great an one. easy one, right? I love that. Um, okay, the second one is honestly breathing. A lot of us hold our breath. We're tense during sex, and it doesn't allow us. Our blood isn't flowing. 
And so I think that if you just stop, if if you're just having sex and you stop and breathe, if you even feel like you are distracted, you're disassociating, you are, I keep using that word. And what I mean is just when your mind leaves your body during sex, whether you're fantasizing, you're worried about the email you didn't send back to your boss, like that's all disassociating. If you know, like, I want to be here with my partner, but I'm not, breathe, just breathe. Um, My other one is um, change up the position, put a pillow under your butt. Have sex on the edge of the bed where your partner's standing up. Move things around. Get out of your bedroom. Do it in the kitchen. Do it in the, you know, on a couch. Do it somewhere else. Get a hotel room for the night. If you can do that, like switch up your location. Everything gets boring in the same place. Another tip would be sex toys. Like we use everything else to enhance our performance in life. So, you know, you buy the right running shoes for running or you eat the right foods or the right supplements. Toys are going to help that as well. I could go on here, Shan. What else? Well, that's what why else? you got a book full of stuff. I got a book full of stuff. What's something that has recently transformed your sex life? You talked about breathing, and I would love a tutorial from you. Mm-hmm. Um, but is there something else that you're like, oh, I recently incorporated this, and it's opened up my pleasure potential in exponential ways? I think, honestly, for me, we got a massage table, and it's the best thing we've ever done. Versus just the bed? Just the bed. Because a massage table allows you to have different kinds of touch that it's like one-way touch and there's just more accessibility. I'm just lying down. Like sometimes I'll get home from like a stressful day and my partner will have brought the massage table out, light the candles, put a put a blanket down. And then also I know that it's just about me that night. I don't have to turn over and give him a massage. Although usually it does end in some kind of sex because I'm so just turned on by touch. And so, like, some nights just, like, just about me. We even talk about it. He's like, tonight's your night. I'm like, great. You know, tomorrow, next week is yours. And so it allows him to touch, flip over. We have so many different, like, there's so many more points that are accessible on a massage table that aren't just accessible on a bed. Um, Think about it. You're, like, elevated. You move around. You're, like, you're comfortable. And it actually starts as a massage. I love massage. I think that for also for many people, I have to say that massage gets you in the mood. So a lot of times, I mean... I can't say this enough. If this is like the last piece of advice I ever give one, it's like we have to understand how we get aroused and turned on. That for the majority, if you have a vulva, if you have a vagina, it's going to take you a little bit. I often said that they like, you know, we are more like slow cookers and men typically are more frying pans, although I don't love to speak in genders because a lot of men too take a while to get warmed up and that is not an absolute, but I'm saying in many experiences, it takes us a little bit longer. So a lot of times when sex just, it's expected to happen, I'm not aroused and ready to go. If I get like a 10 minute deep tissue and he like knows all the parts of my body that are going to like, I'm like, when I thought I didn't want to have sex, I am suddenly turned on because it releases all this tent and all this stress I've been handling. So to me, that has just been like, it's a way that we both feel really like supported and we feel really loved by each other and we feel just really taken care of in a really beautiful way. Did you take a massage course too to make no, sure? No, I didn't take a massage course at all. I just, I've gotten a lot of deep tissue massages and I don't feel like I have to be perfect at it, but I, you know what else I love? Massage candles. Do you ever use massage candles? You, they're so great. You, We're coconut oil people, yeah. but coconut oil is a mess, but that's our- They have like, coconut oil massage candles. I gotta give that a whirl. Yeah. Is that because of the mix of sensation of yeah. hot and- It mixes the sensation of hot and you don't use it with a regular calendar. Don't use a wax candle <laughs> at all, unless you're into that sort of thing, but you will get burned and uh-huh. you might go to the hospital. But these are candles that are made of massage oil that you burn. And a lot of them are made of coconut oil and you burn it. You let it sit for like 30, 20 minutes, blow it out and you pour it on your partner. It's like the warming. Like I love- like my like what really gets me going is if I'm warm turned on touch so I just love all the sensations of that so we play with candles and then you know 
he's having a stressful week, stressful day, I'll do it for him. And it's not every day, maybe it's a few times a month, but it's a great way of saying like, because I think I try to like sort of help people troubleshoot why they're not having sex and why they're not in the mood anymore because I want to normalize the fact that every single relationship, no matter how wonderful it is at this moment, there's going to come a time where you're going to know you should be having sex, but you're not going to be in the mood. You're not going to be ready. You're going to be sick of it. There's going to be a problem. You're going to have pain. You're going to have had a child. You're going to have something going on, but you just kind of know that you want to work on it. And so I like to take the pressure off and decenter sex on penetrative sex and make it more about like touch and intimacy and connection. And so some nights just saying like, let's give each other a massage and see where it goes is like, is, is really affirming for us and really feels, has really made a difference. In the intro, you talk about how you might be getting frustrated because you may have purchased this book looking for the tips as a sex educator are the tips like best positions, best practices for oral, best practices for anal? Have those become like an eye roll for you in your career? It's funny that you say that. I have to say that a little bit, I I have been feeling like when I first started, and probably when we've been doing this a long time, there really wasn't, there was like Cosmo Magazine, Dr. Ruth, Our Bodies, Ourselves, the books. Like there wasn't a lot. So I loved learning all this. I became an expert on the I went back to school while I was doing it, all the things. But now it's like 18 years in. Yeah, a little bit. I'm like, you could Google this. Like, <laughs> like you could Google. So I really tried to infuse. So there is a little bit of like, let's have another conversation here about like the stuff that I'm really interested in is more like mindful, being my mo like being present, having a really full life, having connections with people. And I just think that sex is so much less about tips and more about our own embodiment, our own presence and our own knowledge. So that's why. Yeah. So I feel like we can get those tips and hopefully in the book, I did give my best tips and I also gave it accompanied with paired with the right conversation habit to how to troubleshoot thing, how to make every position the best. But yeah, there's a little bit. How about you? I have a mix of both because I love tips. I think even the massage table, it's like hearing someone say something new that you haven't thought of before which opens up the potential for you to like, oh, I have never thought it before. Yeah. And I know that there's some tips I've gotten, like how to give a hand job that even if they're not better than the tried and yeah. tested, at least they add variety. Exactly. And that's something cool. I always go back to this thing, this interview with Jake Gyllenhaal though, where he was talking about acting. In the initial process of, of discovering a character in the analytical process, and this is what I did take from, from Buddhism. There's a, initially, I think there has to be an analytical intellectual approach. And that has to be abandoned by the time, you know, you're playing a game. You know, you run your plays, you know your plays, you study your plays, you study the other team, you do as much as you can, you go to practice, you get in shape, you do what you need to do. And then by the time you get to the game, you know your plays, but they have to feel like they're in your bones. It has to be an unconscious thing, it cannot be conscious. That is, that is everything to me. So I do think good sex is a mix of absolutely the tips and technique with repetition and confidence and whatever that takes in order for when you're doing it, it to be artful. Right. Well, wow, that's a really great point. That's so true. There are some things you need to think about. And also like, yeah, I guess at the beginning, if you read this book, you're like, okay, I, cause I remember doing some of these tips too. I'm thinking, I remember the one time early on in the career with another boyfriend, but I just read a sex tip book and I like gave him a blow job in a different way. And he was like, wait, what did you just do? That was amazing. And it was like such a thrill. What was this different way? I can't remember. <laughs> I think I did something with his balls. I used to have like this post-traumatic ball thing where I was like, some guy was like, 
why'd you touch my, don't touch my balls. I think I did it wrong. And then for years I avoided the balls. And then my boyfriend was like, you can touch my balls. I'm like, shit, I've like post-traumatic ball disorder. I'll come back and touch balls. So I think it was like putting my hand in the perineum and then probably using lube and like doing two hands at once. It was like some kind of crazy hand job, blow job thing. And he was like, whoa. I was like, and that's so satisfying to have your partner go, whoa, that you've been having sex with for like a year at the time. So tips definitely have a place, but I, I love that whole that whole analogy of Jake because it is sort of like eventually my goal for myself and for everybody is to get to a place where you truly are in the moment. It, you're connected with your partner and you're just in your feelings, you're in your body and you're not thinking like, should I have my back arch? Should I move my tongue this way? Because you just <laughs> yes. sort of know, you just sort of know, right? So, but I'm always learning. And there's the other thing about being like the expert is that I also have a beginner mindset. My brain is also like, I'm always open. I always think there's so much to learn. Like I learned through writing the book and that's what I love about life because I can kind of have eye rolls. But when the second I get to eye roll, I'm like, how do I take this to the next level then? Like, how do I not, how do I make this easier for people or different? Because every day somebody wakes up and they need that tip. They've never had an orgasm. They've never done a sex position that feels good to them. They've had pain during sex their entire life. They've been faking orgasms. They've they have shame around toys, their partnership. So like that's the, the the conundrum is that I know people still need this help and, you know, how can I do it in a different way that also feels good for me and for them? We're so caught up in what society tells us, what we've seen in porn, what we think is right, that I really think through this book and through the work I do, I want people to kind of start to be attuned to their own palate. Like what what actually has worked for me? Like I know I like the lights off. I want candlelight, not an overhead light, or I need soft sheets, or I'm not okay wearing, you know, certain laundry makes me actually feel restricted, or I need a partner who's okay making out for the first 10 minutes. Or like, and again, we get to decide. No one's telling us though, because what we're, we don't have a lot of information about it. So that's why this is kind of a deeply personal journey to know if you're good in bed or good with someone else. But I guess I just want people to like give people permission to open up their eyes, to pay attention and decide for themselves what good sex means and what being a good lover means. I had such an aha when you said that because when you said soft sheets, I'm like, oh, I hate soft sheets. Oh. <laughs> Only because I have dry heels. And so oh. the softer the sheets are, if they're silky, you can hear the sound of my heels on the sheets oh, and that will take me out. So somebody could buy soft, silky exactly. sheets. And then for me, that's like, oh my God, it was the worst experience because all I heard the right. whole time was... <laughs> That didn't right. turn you on. Yes, yeah, so I need right. some hard sheets that mm-hmm. my heels are just sliding through because it's rough. I'm rough. Everything's all good. Exactly. And that's kind of the frustrating <laughs> thing, I think, because I think as educators, you want to give clarity. And I despise it depends because it depends leaves the questioner in no better position than they were prior because all they have to do now is like go on a search to find more questions. But why in this case is it depends actually liberating? Mm, that's such a good question because it does de- because it depends on every because every time you have sex it's different every time you're with somebody which is the good news and the bad different. news yeah it is I guess so I mean I um because we're all different because honestly like think about anything in life like if we both have anxiety let's say we're both anxious people and 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 um and you came to you for a solution I might tell you okay well have you cut out caffeine have you tried a meditation practice? Have you tried moving your body? Do you breathe? Do you journal? Like there's all these tips that we've all heard, right? Do yoga for meditation. But what might work for me is cutting out caffeine. And what might work for you is, is um, you know, walking every morning for 10 minutes. 
So that's why it depends. I try to give all the tips. Like literally, this book is like every tip <laughs> that I've ever talked about. And I would literally call it, like, wait, I forgot. How did I forget the Kiven method for oral sex? Part of the interruption, but you might need this bit of education just like I did. Let's talk about the Kiven method. I had never heard of it before this conversation, which is why sex education truly is a lifelong venture. I've been doing this for 15 years and I can't tell you how many things I feel so stupid that I did not know before somebody mentioned it to me. So for people who have vulvas, most of the time that you're getting oral sex, you've got somebody who is coming between your legs like this, right? Their, their head is facing your belly button. Some people get oral sex in the 69 position where their partner's over top of their body and then they're coming down um, this way. And then some people like to sit on someone's face and then kind of, you know, you get the gist of sitting on someone's face. The Kiven method is when you are receiving oral sex from the side. So your partner's face is like this and then their body is coming at you. So you're almost making a T shape together. And the reason why this position can be preferable to a lot of people is that it gives them more lay of the land. The flat part of their tongue is hitting the entire clitoris. Whereas in if they're coming at the bottom angle, usually it's the tip of the tongue just flicking up and down on a very specific part. If they are going this way, you're more likely to get more thorough clitoral action. For people who feel it's very sensitive underneath their clitoral hood, this also might be preferable because this way they can lick on top of the clitoral hood a little bit more. This is also a good position when it comes to hands. So instead of having to go like this and kind of come in underneath and have this hunchback of Notre Dame thing going on, your partner can now use their hands to spread this way and then insert just like that. So one hand can be spreading the labia minora, labia majora, putting pressure on the mons pubis, which is quite nice. And the other hand can be giving G-spot, A-spot, U-spot, booty spot stimulation, whatever you might prefer down there. Or they could just be simply having a hand on your thigh for reassurance. It's a really nice position. We have been using it. I've actually been kivening on Jared as well. You know, I was inspired and was like, what would it feel like if I gave him head from the side? And it's been great too. So the more you know, each one to each one. Oh, before we go back to Emily, can we talk about hunger? So that's why with sex, it's like, I, I want people to know that they have a choice too. The other thing is, I think people don't think they have agency around sex. I think they don't, people don't believe they can choose. They think, gotta do what my partner likes, or this is how it's supposed to be done, or I've never even thought about what I like. I think a lot of people like, literally are stunned that they even have to get to think about it. They get to choose. So that's why, you know, just take what, it li- take what you like here and leave the rest. I think that's great with all advice, though. It's not, I'm not saying this is the Bible for how to do everything, but it's going to give you all the options, like to be to feel like you're more sexually confident and present. I love that every question can be answered in one of five different ways. Yeah, and you get to decide which of those five you're going to focus on the solution for, or which of those three of the five. Yeah, um, or if you have all five, which can be daunting work, but also a great place. Because I always say I'd rather meet somebody who is insecure than somebody who is delusional. (laughs) Exactly. Because at least the insecure person knows what to do next or where to start or where to actually start focusing their efforts. Mm, That is such a great point. It's so true. Like delusion and personality disorders are way harder to work with than someone just like, I am vulnerable, I'm open, and I'm feeling really insecure right now. I think some people look at it like, you talk about this in the book too, how sex education was like an hour. And so a lot of people are looking for sex education to be this finite thing, like, I read Dr. Emily's book and now I'm done sex educating myself. (laughs) Or I went to a weekend in Bali and now I'm done. 
But here you are, a doctor who is always learning, who talks about this weekly, talks about this incessantly with people, and it's still new to you in many different ways. It is. I'm always, yeah, exactly. I'm never done. There's always like new layers of it, new levels of it. I go on like retreats every year. I try to do something different. I do like embodiment retreats or sex working with sexological body workers who do like one way touch and they help you figure out different ways to play. And like with my partner, we're always like learning tantra or doing things because I think you're never done peeling back the layers. If you, it's like, it's like, um, it's like um, kind of like working out or it's like getting in shape. Like you could like lift weights and then you could start to run and you can work. You could have a whole routine of like, you, you never just, you never get to put where you're like fully in shape, right? You're always trying to do different things. You're trying to cross train, if you will. I like to cross train my sex life so it doesn't get boring. We went to like a play party a few weeks ago. It's like a sex party. We went to, um, which we've never done together before. We went to- What was it took, like? It was so fun. We tried to go to a play party. It didn't work out because we had to get tested before. And we were like, okay. our time is so constrained. So by the time that like it came around, we just didn't get to do it. But It we was like, really hot watching other people have sex and like seeing what turns us on and talk about it. And um, it was like a very like consensual, safe space. Um, we, we take class together. Like we take like for like a tantric- Oh, we took um, a sexological body work class where my friend is a sexolo- sexological body worker and she did therapy with us when we first got together, you know, probably about first, like six months into our relationship. And she helped us learn to touch each other in ways that we've never touched ourselves. She helped me learn to, honestly, like she does like vulva mapping and penis mapping. And I learned his body through her showing me, like I learned new, he learned new things about his penis that he never knew. I learned new things about my vagina that I didn't know. And so- yeah, like next level, we are like learning things to be present and mindful with our, with our, yeah, with our bodies. Like there's always more, I don't know, like that kind of stuff to me is like, that stuff can go the distance. Like now I know, because it's different for everybody, like how to touch him. That was such a thrill to be like, here's his body, he's had his whole life, and like didn't know that this part of the penis was more sensitive than the other. You know, we just, we don't take the time. Because otherwise you're just pounding away, having the same kind of sex and missionary position, doing the same things. And we are so blessed with these bodies that are literally built for pleasure and not just for procreation. And if you can kind of get out of your own way and be like, I want to connect with my partner. We want to be intimate. Otherwise we're roommates. Even though sex can be the last thing on your mind, you've got kids, you've got work, you've got a life. It can be a hassle. But if you can find ways to get yourself in the mood Whatever that is, whether it's a five-minute massage, knowing that you have to just jump right into it, whether it's like talking about sex and that gets you there. I have this yes, no, maybe list on my site that we just re-released. We kind of updated it, which has like 80 sex acts. And it's a great place for people to start. It has like, it has everything in there from like cuddling to taking a bath to fisting to anal to all these things. And you can all like, is it a yes? It is a no? Is it a maybe? And then you guys can each take that quiz and see where you start. Like, oh, I didn't know you wanted more dirty talk. So do I. Let's do that. So... Just keep mixing it up and trying new things. So, you know, because you know you're going to be having sex, right? I mean, you can also say we're asexual and I don't want to have sex. That's about 1% of the population. But I think most people want to know how to keep their sex life interesting and have it go the distance. It's interesting that having more intelligence when it comes to sex is admitting that you know less yeah. and being curious about finding more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's... I mean, I think that's actually, when I started writing the book, I was like, I did, we mentioned this earlier about emotional intelligence. We talk about EQ and IQ and that there is a certain, like you get to a certain point or with with IQ. I mean, IQ is like you're at a fixed state, but even emotional intelligence is about empathy 
and being like supportive and being sympathetic and like admitting that being vulnerable. And I think that sex IQ is the same way, like being sexually intelligent. I think part of the smartest people I know are the people who admit that they don't know everything. Again, it's the delusion that you know everything that is just problematic, right? We've had people like leaders of the world who are like, right? Like that to me is really, really scary. So yeah, high sex IQ is knowing that you don't know everything about sex, but you're willing to learn. Dr. Emily Morse has a podcast that is, I believe, the most listened to sex podcast worldwide. Go and tap into that. It is a long running podcast for a reason. It has so many incredible episodes. Episodes. She is a wealth of information and invites so many other great experts on to contribute. So go and check that out. Follow her on Instagram and please do yourself a favor and grab a copy of her brand new book, Smart Sex, which I think drops today, the day this episode airs. I have a printout copy from a PDF that I've already started to highlight and I reference quite often. I cannot wait until my physical copy actually gets here and yeah, buy it for yourself and buy it for a few friends as well. It is the gift that definitely keeps on giving. Speaking of giving, can I talk about the first time that I saw Emily Morris in person? So next year is actually going to be my 10 year anniversary of living in Los Angeles, which feels radical to me. It's radical and also very logical. If I think about it in a blur, like in a big time chunk, it feels unbelievable because I feel like I just got here and I also feel very connected to my hometown still. But if I think about all the things that I have done, the ways that I have grown, the women that I have been and the women I am becoming, it feels like I've been here for a hundred Anyways, when I first moved to Los Angeles, the big thing for me was I was finally going to devote myself to being a sex and relationship expert. I was going to do this for real. Uh, Up until that point, I think for about nine years or so, I was teetering on the fence. I would do it for a little bit. I put out a book and then I would feel a lot of shame and embarrassment from family or friends or from the media. And then I would retreat and then find a different path. And then I would devote myself to it for a bit and it would be really hard and I would get discouraged. Then I would kind of crawl back in. So I was doing this a lot. So even though I talk about the fact that I've been talking about sex and relationships for 15 years, there was definitely a span of time from the age of 20 to 28, where I was too afraid to really put my foot in this. So when I moved to Los Angeles, I said to myself, I'm gonna go for it. And I genuinely mean that. And I signed up for a conference that the name is escaping me right now, but I will not forget the fact that Dr. Emily Morse was the keynote speaker on this conference. And let's say I moved to Los Angeles in March. This conference had to have been in May. So really early on to me coming here, having nothing, knowing no one, not having a network of support, I made this intention to go to this thing where I was like, I'm going to start putting myself out there as a member of this community and as someone who is to be listened to, but furthermore, really wants to deeply listen and learn from others because I want to be great at this too. At the time, I was in a long distance relationship with a toxic partner whom I lived with prior to moving to Los Angeles. And again, if I reflect on it, a big portion of why I moved was to get away from that person because it was just really not a pleasant living arrangement at all. So anyways, the exact weekend that I was going to this conference, I had booked my on again, off again, not pleasant lover was in town. And we fought a lot. Not this weekend, all the time. Just, they always picked fights. Maybe I always picked fights. I mean, at the end of the day, 
there was a, a lot that I have grown intimately and I'm trying to do my best to offer more grace to this, per, this person in particular, um, even though I have not spoken to them, period, since the eight years we stopped being together. But in either case, they moved, they came on, to the, they came for the weekend. And I remember they picked some fight with me before I was supposed to go to this conference. You know, I'd set the intention. I really want to go. This is extremely important to me. And they picked a fight with me. And I remember just being like, okay, like, I'm sorry you feel this way, but I really, really have to go. I'm not going to be long. Please let me do this for myself. I'm going to be gone for a few hours. Please, please, please let me do this for myself. And they just continued to fight with me and they fought and they fought and they fought. So eventually I had to just grab my stuff and run. At this time, I lived in an apartment complex. I lived on the bottom floor and I had to walk down the stairs to get to my car. So I ran away, I grabbed my stuff and then I'm running to my car and then they leaned over the edge of the stairways and they spit on me. And I was just like, I'm not dealing with this. Dr. Emily Morse is waiting for me. No, she wasn't. But, you know, my future is awaiting me and I have to get out of here. So I just wiped myself off and I got in the car and I cried all the way there. And then I got to the conference and I had a very, mm, do I want to say a beautiful time? I did have a great time. I didn't have a very connected time. That could be a me thing. I mean, I often feel this way, and I'm going to talk about this later, where I, I don't necessarily feel embraced by the community of sex experts. And I think a big part of that is I don't look the part, and maybe um, maybe I don't look like I want to be talked to, which I deeply do. So I didn't really feel necessarily a, a great connection with people, but I felt that I was connecting to my purpose. I felt like I was learning a lot. There were things from that conference that I still utilize and implement in my practice and in my daily life to this day. It was wonderful. So as Dr. Emily Morse was the keynote speaker, that means that she was going to go last. And I was looking forward to this because I've been a long follower of her work. I deeply admired what she did. And I've always wanted to be a public facing sex and relationship expert. Sometimes some of you write me who want to work in the private sector of this industry. I don't know much about that. It's never been my passion to have one-to-one -one work, to work in a clinical setting. So I've always looked up to people like Dr. Emily Morse, um, like Dr. Jocelyn Elders, who is very scholarly, but also did have a very public position. So those have been my idols growing up. And this was a big opportunity to see one of the, my idols speak live and in person. So Dr. Emily Morris takes the stage and she is all that you want her to be. She's magnetic and she's warm and kind and funny and smart. And the entire room is in the palm of her hands. Um, and so I'm at the back of the room. I can remember this to this day. It's at the Sophie Hotel. I remember the way the room looked. I remember how I felt. I remember the vision of her just being very deeply inspired. And as she was talking, my phone rings once and I look and it's my ex or my partner at the time. And I put it in my pocket. I want to focus. And then it keeps ringing and it keeps ringing and it keeps ringing. Now, mind you, this person is at my apartment by themselves. So I was like, okay, I just, maybe something has gone wrong. So I got to check in. And uh, he hadn't been speaking to me all day because he was angry. So I step outside and he said, I'm outside and I need to speak to you right now. And then I go outside and uh, he proceeds to pick a fight with me. And I never got to go back inside to hear the rest of the presentation or to introduce myself to Dr. Emily. And so I didn't have that chance. Fast forward, I got invited to a dinner for Spotify it uh, like earlier this year after I had Zaya, one of my first times out by myself since um, giving birth to my second baby. And I can carry with me sometimes the impression or the feeling that other sex experts don't like or respect me. 
whether that's imposter syndrome, whether that's just because I feel like I am othered for a number of reasons or sometimes my just genuine experience in this space. So Dr. Emily was actually at this dinner. And I remember thinking like, that's so cool. And I'm like, here with her. And she was at the other table. And so one of my really good friends, Krista, who was an, uh, a guest on my episode about friends, was also at this dinner. We and her were having a great time and having a great conversation. I don't remember if I even said hi, Dr. Emily, to be honest with you. But I do know that she pulled up a chair to my table and introduced herself to me. And we got to have a very short but very loving dialogue where she acknowledged me and my work. And I, of course, then opened up and acknowledged her and her work. And I said to her, I just admire what you do so much. And I would love an opportunity to speak with you further and to furthermore introduce you to some of my audience who might not be familiar because you've been so impactful in my life. And hopefully that I can pass that on. And she said to me, yes. She then said, I'm gonna be honest with you. Now that I think about this, this dinner probably happened in the fall, even might've been late summer last year. She's like, I am really busy and I have a book coming out and I'm still writing that right now. I have to do a couple last minute tweaks. Can we have this conversation in January? That's when I'm doing bookings again. And I was like, yeah, anytime. Girl, it could be fucking a month that doesn't even exist yet in 2080 Zurog. Like I would say yes to you. So then um, she's like, okay, January, we'll do it. And then it kept getting pushed because of timing, which I didn't take personal. I'm just like, okay, you know, and I'm so grateful now looking back that I get to put this episode out today on a day to tell you all about a very loving, incredible person who has their book out as we speak and a book that I think can be deeply impactful. I also want to share that at the end of my interview with Dr. Emily Morris, I say goodbye to my guests and I usually walk some of them downstairs and I walked her down to her car and she turned to me and said, I don't know what I can do for you, but whatever it is, I want to help. And thankfully, y'all, I'm not at a place in my life where I need a lot of help like that when it comes to career stuff, especially. Um, I'm so limited in my terms of capacity of work. I can't really take anything else on. And she was just expressing how abundant she is in work. And I similarly, very gratefully feel abundant in work. And I also feel amazing that I can speak to someone I've looked up to and feel that same feeling that they have, you know, that they have continued to grow and to expand and to be respected and admired and to get work to validate that. And then now I've grown to the place where I can feel the exact same. So when I'm looking her in the eye, I don't need help. Um, yeah, I just needed a friend. And then she offered that, which I actually haven't taken her up on her offer. And now that I think about it, I'm going to do that. So I was going to talk about the sex life part. And it feels like we should end the episode. It does. I think we should talk about that more a little bit longer and further. But... I'll say a very specific thing that has really helped my sex life and that has been embodiment and embodiment is one of the sections in Dr. Emily Morse's book. So I actually think you should read the book, read that section. And when we have this conversation again, it's going to have so much more meaning to it because it's going to be grounded in something that we can both talk about using the same language. It's been a great episode. I feel really proud right now. And I hope that you feel really proud of yourself and that you're having a great week too. And if you are, tell me about it in the rate and review section. Y'all thought I was going to forget. No, no. For those of you who have yet to do it, now would be a great time. Bye. Lovers and friends. Lovers and friends.
take you on a trip, baby, I don't pretend I said, lovers and friends uh, I'ma hold you down, down to the end I said, 